Welcome, fellow film enthusiasts, to a brand new episode of The Director's Viewfinder. I'm your host, Derek Johnson, and I'm excited to take you on an extraordinary journey through the captivating world of filmmaking. As a seasoned filmmaker, producer, and director of photography, I worked on a wide range of projects, from indie gems to TV hits and a ton of commercials. In this podcast, We'll dive deep into the art and craft of filmmaking, pulling back the curtain on the magic that happens behind the camera. I'm excited to talk to you today about one of the cinematic marvels that happens once in a while in movies, and it's known as the Wonder. The Wonder is a type of shot which essentially is just a continuously recorded. Uh, scene or number of scenes uh, all at once. The idea is that the camera, once you hit record, will continue to follow the action throughout a number of scenes or a long scene or in some cases even the whole movie. Um, For me, I feel like the Wonder is definitely one of the most challenging types of shots that a cinematographer and a director can try and pull off in a movie because there's so much coordination that goes on. Uh, You have lots of um, practice that has to be done. Um, You have, you know, obviously in movies you have lighting that's brought in. So you have to choreograph where your action is going to take place to make sure that no lights are in the shot, unless you want them in the shot. Um, and, you know, there's just so many layers to the wonder. Um, and, of course, technology now has definitely grown significantly in, in filmmaking. So what types of tools do we use to create those shots? I mean, essentially, a wonder you don't even have to move the camera. It's just, as long as you just keep recording. But that's kind of boring. So uh, we found that um, over history that the more camera movement you have, the more dynamic your scenes can become and the more interesting your movie can become. But you have to find the balance of how much camera movement makes sense with the storyline and the emotion of the scenes. In addition to this podcast episode, I've also created a montage video of some wonders to help with the discussion. And first I want to talk about and break down one of the most amazing wonders I have ever seen by, of course, none other than Spielberg, who is known for doing amazing wonders. Um, War of the Worlds by Spielberg is definitely one of my favorite movies of all time that I've seen coming out of Hollywood. Now, I'm not talking about all movies, but big Hollywood pictures. This one definitely hits the mark for me. And one of the very first scenes um, is when the aliens first erupt out of the Earth and Tom Cruise goes, grabs his family, he jumps into a car, 
uh, actually a minivan, which basically uh, he's stealing the van because it's uh, going to you know, be enough room to fit his family in. Uh, the owner of the um, auto shop where the van is parked is also in the scene. He says to uh, Tom Hanks, you know, says, get in the car. If you don't get in the car, you're going to die. And so basically what's happening here is uh, we're setting up, this is all part of the scene, we're setting up the scene before he starts the wonder. He's getting the characters into the car. He's creating the drama. The aliens are like moments behind. Uh, they're just tearing everything up. And then he takes off. And so essentially what happens is you've got a great buildup. Um, you, you have some effects coming in here. Uh, and then you have a lot of cutaway shots. There's pictures of the rearview mirror, there's an ECU of the kid's face, um, there's a couple of master shots uh, of the minivan driving away, uh, and then once, we, I think we actually go to an aerial shot here, um, yes, it's either an aerial or a crane shot, and this is amazing to me for Hollywood, it looks like they've occupied an entire highway filled with cars that are all stopped because that's part of, um, you know, this this scene. And so then the wonder essentially begins uh, where the camera is down below the car and it swings around to the side of the car. We're probably in a medium shot here. Now we're moving closer into the, the driver. We're seeing Tom Cruise. Now the camera's moving along the side of the car. And the amazing thing here, it goes inside of the back of the car looking forward. I'm like so impressed by this. Now it exits the car, goes around the other side of the car. Um, and, and I'm just thinking like, okay, how the heck did they shoot this? It's truly a, cinemac, a cinematic uh masterpiece. Uh, this one scene, uh, I, I think about it often, and I always hope that in my own cinematography journey, that someday I could do something this good. In the meantime, I had a chance to visit uh, some of my cinephile friends down in LA uh, for a weekend, and some of the conversations we were talking about was the wonder, and I was curious to know what they thought about it. Um, in fact, I've had one friend that has worked on many big movies, and also that would be many big wonder shots. And he mentioned to me, um, there's a movie called Soy Cuba, uh, which is an early version of a wonder. So I went to YouTube, of course, and looked it up because I was really curious to see what it looked like, and the movie Soy Cuba is actually a cinematic masterpiece in itself. Um, the Wonder is actually pretty incredible. If you get a chance to watch the whole movie, I highly recommend it. But what's very cool about it is essentially at that time in, in cinematography's history, uh, 
the tools that were available um, to make a oneer were fairly limited. So what I can tell you is that I've watched it again and again, and I was very curious how on earth did they do this? And so I thought, well, my guess is they did a lot of handheld, and then they used a series of pulleys uh, on an overhead um, line that they were able to um, essentially dolly the camera along, uh, crossed uh, different um, stru- structures and buildings, and and then essentially... Um, the camera was uh, very carefully lifted off of this uh, rig uh, to get from one space to the next. And they even take it down inside of a pool and underneath the water, which is really just uh, incredible filmmaking to, to give an audience that kind of a journey. Um, one of my second all-time favorite movies coming out of Hollywood, of course, is Boogie Nights. And the opening scene for Boogie Nights is one long-ass oneer, and it is just incredible. Holy cow, I love this movie. Um, we were talking uh, this weekend about Soy Cuba and how that opening oneer was the inspiration for the opening oneer of Boogie Nights. So I decided to put them up side by side in the video so you can watch them and aesthetically see all the similarities. Now, of course, uh, Steadicam did not exist during the recording of Soy Cuba, but uh, there was a Steadicam that was used for Boogie Nights, and I always wondered how on earth did they get the camera from the top of the sign down into uh, basically uh, through the streets and inside the club. Uh, What I did discover was that the camera operator who was wearing a Steadicam was actually lifted up on a crane, which he then uh, began to operate and create uh, the the drama through the lens with his steady cam and then the crane essentially lowered him down onto the street and you have hundreds of actors cars going through a street goes he goes inside of this club um, and it's really it's just incredible from what i understand uh, spielberg um, when he plans out a wonder Also, part of that plan is to do a bunch of cutaways just in case something isn't working and you have something really good to fall back on. Uh, This will definitely become an issue with creating a wonder because there are certain uh, moments in time where the camera, um, essentially you almost feel like you have... um, like when you're editing a film and you're not doing a wonder and you're just creating a scene where you're moving characters from one place to another, you always get extra footage, heads and tails of that cut that you end up wanting to cut out because it's just, um, you know, not valuable time that is needed. And you end up recording a lot of that time during the wonder. So 
if the wonder really does end up being uh, not so great, but you still have some great uh, things in there to work with, you have what, what you call these cut-in shots that can go over those kind of dead spaces to fill in. And there's, that is certainly le a legitimate way to put an edit together. Boogie Nights does a great job of adding a few uh, cut-in shots, um, but the Wonder in itself doesn't feel like it has any stalls. It's choreographed beautifully, and uh, it certainly feels uh, uh, like it's really um, no loss in momentum and keeps, keeps you very engaged all the way through. When I was doing some research about Wonders, I also came across a movie called Touch of Evil, uh, which is another older film, black and white, and it's has this really excellent wonder in there. Um, this one was done on a uh, dolly that also had a crane on it, and I'm not sure, I don't think it had a uh, any kind of stabilizer on it. It's a pretty smooth shot. Um, and I also felt that um, this particular uh, wonder felt a little bit more like what Boogie Nights was doing. Um, they all, all three movies are kind of similar. You get to take a look at it. Uh, but I'm also thinking that this movie was probably referenced in the creation of the Boogie Nights wonder. I'd also like to point out on uh, this Touch of Evil film that the placement of uh, lighting uh, for this wonder, uh, I think, was exceptionally well done. Uh, I would say that it looks like it was probably shot inside of a studio, and you can see that the characters' faces are generally always lit up wherever they're going. There's just a few brief moments of shadow uh, but it doesn't disturb me, and I think that uh, this is definitely something to point out in the way to make a really good wonder. So let's move on to 1917. Sam Mendes and uh, Roger Deakins, the number one cinematographer in the world, by most people's uh, thought. And anyhow, I love his work. But I'll have to say I was a little bit disappointed in 1917. For me, the biggest failure was um, this: the story just wasn't strong enough for the amount of effort that was put into all these different shots. Uh, this movie, of course, was not completely a wonder, but there was a lot of really long wonders. And as I had mentioned before. Um, I feel like this is a good example of where there's just dead space in the storyline that uh, there are heads and tails and there, it's just information I felt like I didn't need, need to see. I didn't feel like it was helping me get anywhere. Um, some of the shots you'll see in the video um, where Deacons moves um, through this trench and then he goes into... Um, like a little meeting room, uh, and those shots, uh, just in incredible. The lighting is beautiful, and uh, but you know you have essentially, um, uh, you know, when you're capturing 
uh, conversations, usually you cut, a, you cut back and forth for a conversation. And I felt like that could have been used inside that little room, but it was not used. Um, but I do think that technically uh, this is a, an amazing film. There is a BTS video that talks about filming some of the trench scenes, which I believe took over a week to rehearse just a single scene where they take the two characters through the trench and the camera operators, there are two guys actually walking backwards with the camera on its gimbal head and they essentially set it on to a crane which lifts out of the trench and follows the characters um, out into the field and onto a truck. Uh, and then I believe the camera is also uh, then lifted off of the crane once they're uh, up top to continue follow them, following them through the scene. It's truly incredible to see that kind of camera work come to life. And I look forward to seeing what Deacons will do in the future, uh, having gone through this experience. As some of you may know, I have my first feature documentary which is out doing festivals currently called Healing Waters. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if the opening scene was this incredible wonder and I really wanted to do everything possible to try and make it work. So I had um, scheduled out my day. Unfortunately, we were shooting um, during the first year of COVID and that of course brought in a lot of anxiety into the project. My plan was to essentially um, take uh, the camera from a drone and fly it down to a vehicle, which we could then uh, get it right up to the back window of the car. Uh, then from there, I was going to punch through the window and end up in the back seat and then have the characters driving once they parked the car, I was going to have them exit the car, and that would have ended my wonder. So there's always the plan that you want to make, and then the plan that actually happens. And because there were so many things going wrong that day, um, uh, essentially the problems were kind of hysterical now that I think about it. Um, you can actually see me in the back window running down the street after the car. Um, the driver of the car, uh, he was not supposed to be driving. He actually wasn't even in the movie. But my lead character who was playing that role of the father, um, he was not uh, able to drive the car because he did not know how to drive a stick shift. Um, then, of course, the person who was driving the car uh, had very bad hearing, and he didn't understand that I was trying to follow him with the camera on foot and not, uh, you know, running behind him at top speed. <laughs> it was just one of many problems that day. So essentially, all of my cutaway shots ended up making the scene. Still turned out pretty good, but it was definitely not um, exactly the way I had envisioned it. So the next thing is, um, there are a few movies now that have been made um, with a, an entire single take 
for a 90-minute film. One is called The Russian Ark. They were shooting in an art museum. I watched this movie on YouTube, and I turned it off after about 10 minutes. I was so bored to tears. Um, This is another great example of where the Wonder, although technically a huge achievement for all involved, because there was so many people that needed to be choreographed and the actors needed to hold their characters and their emotions all the way through the film. I applaud you for that. But uh, cinematography-wise, I just felt like uh, the movie would have been much better off to do your cutaway conversations and maybe go back to longer oneers. Uh, It just felt like I really wanted a break visually to hold um, the camera and to to go into these different spaces in a different way. Um, It's just not the way uh, we're used to consuming uh, these images and the story uh, for such an extended period of time. So I don't know that doing a whole movie as a oneer is necessarily a good idea, Uh, And I don't know that it necessarily helped the story in this idea. For me, it definitely did not. I turned it off. (laughs) And now I would like to talk about a movie called Athena. This is a movie that was produced in France. um, And it's definitely uh, another amazing uh, act of filmmaking and cinematography. There are a lot of winners in this movie and there's a couple of winners that are really, really big winners. I thought they were absolutely fantastic. Um, this movie also includes stunts combined with winners, which also makes it extra challenging. Um, there is a great, uh, currently it's, uh, this is a Netflix movie, and there is a great uh, BTS video about uh, the movie, which I suggest watching if you get a chance. One of the things that really blew me away in this movie was that uh, they put a techno crane, which is a large crane uh, where you hold a stabilizing head on the end of it with your camera, uh, and they put a techno crane uh, on top of a lorry. This one is probably the second most beautiful shot I have seen next to a Spielberg one and. I'll have to say it's it's just really luscious and beautiful to watch from a technical standpoint, and all of the other pieces and parts just line up really beautifully. Uh, challenging, oh my God, I can't even imagine how much prep time it must have taken to put this thing together. These guys had this giant crane, and they had to hire... Uh, a piece of equipment that's not even in filmmaking, uh, like a farm uh, towing machine, and hire the farmer as well to drive it. Uh, And they had hundreds of actors uh, running around up through this uh, uh, space and then going up uh, a staircase and onto a second level. And the camera takes you from a, a sort of an aerial wide shot down into the street, follows you up the, the staircase uh, into a close-up, 
and even a little about, bit out onto the second level before they cut away into the next section of the film. And I'll have to say, it, it just blows my mind to think about it, what went into making this shot. And uh, I commend the filmmakers for for making this movie, and I really suggest if you're interested in cinematography and wonders, this should be high up on your list of one to check out. And last but not least, I'm still on the quest to work on a project where I can create an incredibly cool wonder. And I had a chance to do this recently. I worked on a film called Second Chance. Going into this project, I knew there was going to be at least one big wonder. Uh, which we were going to use for the opener. And so since I was the director of photography, I thought, you know, this could be a great opportunity for me to make something really substantial and really cool. And I spent literally two weeks preparing for this project. Uh, I built a whole camera rig, um, and I also did some practicing on my own. And I even had to draw up a lighting plan we were probably about uh maybe a 300 foot stretch through a building with going into multiple rooms uh, for the length of the wonder unfortunately i can't show it to you in this video but you do get a couple seconds of the beginning uh, because the movie isn't even edited yet in my recent trip to Los Angeles, um, I went down to a workshop with the Society of Camera Operators at the Cine Moves Film Ranch, uh, just a little bit outside of downtown. And my purpose there was to learn about techno cranes and remote heads, and basically um, would be my first experience getting to use the type of equipment that is used nowadays for capturing wonders and more sophisticated camera moves that are stabilized that can go from essentially basically like a drone shot all the way down to uh, an intimate shot inside of a car or a room. So my final thoughts are that camera movements are essentially like the thing that is going to make or break your movie and I really do believe that you should not overuse your camera movements because uh, your storyline can get lost in the technique. And if your movie is about technique and not about the story, then I, I think you're missing the point. So this is the end of the podcast. And I'm really glad you made it this far. I'm super excited about being a cinematographer. I've got my eyes set on joining Local 600 so I can work out of LA more and or other LA-based productions around the world. Um, I'm also excited to share my journey and knowledge with you about all the cool things that I'm learning along the way. And the best way for me to do that is to have you connect to me through my list, which you can find at kaifilms.com. You can also sign up and get a free How to Survive a Day on a Film Set and coming soon, uh, a cheat sheet for producers.